Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Zechariah chapter 4, and we'd like to begin at verse 6. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also finish it, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. Before I expound, let me reiterate that when God begins to move by His Spirit in a specific or certain area, you want to see to it that you hook up with what God is emphasizing by His Spirit and stay with it. Because, you see, the things of the Spirit are discerned spiritually. The things of God are discerned spiritually. And when God moves in ways by His Spirit, there will be an emphasis on certain things. And out of that wave, you want to get as much revelation from God as you possibly can. You want to hook up with what He is doing at the time He is doing it. You don't want to be behind or ahead. You want to be right there moving and flowing with the Spirit of God as He emphasizes certain things in the earth. And he's moving upon hearts and minds of those in leadership. And also, I believe, causing people to have a burden of prayer to pray for the greater manifestation of the Spirit of God upon the earth in the church as a whole and also in the local body of believers. Because, you see, in this last great day in which we are living, it is a work of the Spirit that's going to accomplish the will of God. It's not going to be accomplished by the hand of man. As a matter of fact, God himself said right here to Zerubbabel, he said it himself, that it's not going to be accomplished by the hand of man. It's going to be accomplished by the Spirit of God. What does he mean? Well, he is saying that victories come, that battles are won, and the work of God is done not by the hand of man, not by the ability of man, not by the might of man, not by the intelligence of man, not by the, the uh, talents of men, but how? By the anointing of the Spirit of the living God. Now, at that particular time, that this, when this was stated, they were going about doing their own thing and forgetting about the house of God. They were going about living daily, building their own houses, buying and selling and taking care of themselves, and no one was taking care of the house of God. It seemed like it was a huge mountain in the way of Zerubbabel to fulfill what God hath called him to do. But God spoke to him and said, the reason why you're having such difficulty is because you're trying to do it in your own strength. And you know, you've got the people thinking that you've got to do it in your own strength. Beloved, we have to hear the voice of the Lord. We're not here alone. 
We're not working by ourselves. This is not just the work of man. This is the work of God. Hallelujah. No matter what it is that He would have us to do in this life, it's not the work of man alone. It's the work of God and man laboring together with Him to accomplish a purpose in His will. And that work has got to be done by the anointing or the power of the Spirit of the living God, not by the abilities of man. Now, God will take man's abilities and anoint them. Amen. And when He does, that person will be anointed with spiritual power that will give him powers beyond human scope. Amen. And He said, that mountain that stands in your way, it's going to be made a plain. In other words, it's going to be removed. That mountain is going to be removed. How? By the Spirit of God. God is going to move by His Spirit. And when He does, He is going to remove the obstacles. He's going to take away from us those things that would hinder and make a path for us to move in, to flow with, that will enable us to fulfill the will of God on this earth. And that's the emphasis of the Spirit right now. He wants us to, to recognize and understand more about the anointing. How many of you have sensed the increase of the anointing even in our public worship services? Can you say amen? And you're not just saying that to be an amen person in the amen corner, right? Isn't that true? I mean, you sense it, you know it, on the inside of you that God is anointing things in a greater way. Isn't that right? Well, can one anoint himself? Can one anoint herself? No, we can't anoint ourselves. We can do something to have the anointing to increase, but we can't anoint ourselves. See? If we'll do our part, the anointing will increase. If we'll flow with God, the anointing will increase. But if we don't do our part, then the anointing will not increase. And someone says, well, what's the big deal whether or not the anointing increases? There'll be some mountains that won't be blown out of your way if the anointing does not increase. There'll be some obstacles that won't be removed unless the anointing increases. You see, for it's the work of God. It's the power of God that will blow out these mountains and remove the obstacles. And that's what we've got to be aware of. It's the power of God manifested that's going to get the people and bring them together in harmonious love, enabling them to create a, a powerful habitation for God in the Spirit. And so that's what he's telling Zerubbabel here. He's saying, look, don't look to yourself, look to me. And if you'll look to me, I'll manifest myself through you. And the power of my Spirit will get the work done. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to hold that thought. And I want you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah and chapter 10. The emphasis of the Spirit is for us to have and maintain a stronger anointing in our lives. And don't misunderstand me. We are to walk in the Word of God. But how many of you know there is an anointing upon the Word of God? Isn't that right? Well, I know that too. But I know this. The anointing on the Word of God can increase in your life. It can. If you'll understand it. If you'll understand how to increase the anointing that's upon the Word of God in your own life, it will increase. And your acting on the Word of God will be in demonstration of the Spirit and power. Didn't Paul say, when I came preaching and teaching to you, I did not come with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power? He spoke the Word of God in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. In other words, when that Word went forth, it went forth in a powerful way. 
It was ignited by the Spirit of the living God. It set ablaze human hearts. It touched human minds. It caused change to take place. We're talking about removing obstacles from people's minds. We're talking about blowing up the mountains that, that reside in people's hearts that are hardened, preventing them from coming to Christ or living for God. And that anointing, when it goes forth in a powerful way, will do that very thing. It will destroy the yoke of bondage. It will set the captives free. It will enable the people of God to live right for God and fulfill the call of God upon their lives. Now, Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder. I want you to underline, if you're taking notes there in your Bible, just underline the word burden. From off thy shoulder and his yoke. Underline or highlight, underscore the word yoke. From off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed or broken because of the, and underline the word anointing. The anointing. A burden is something that is carried. Like a load. You can be burdened down with responsibilities and duties in life. Every single one of us can. One can also understand that a burden is something that could be worrisome or oppressive. I'm sure you've seen people seemingly weighed down with worries and oppressed with burdens. The word yoke over here is making a reference to like a wooden frame or a bar that is placed upon a person's shoulder. Enabling that person to carry weight. For example, if you're carrying a couple of buckets of water, or pails of water, and you've got to take them from point A to point B, rather than just carrying them in your hands like this here, they'll make a bar that, go, that goes across the shoulders of the individual, and it makes them easier for carry, you know, to carry all that weight. And so they carry the weight on their shoulders and get it from point A to point B. Now, in the process it may get to the place where they've got to set the weight down and take a rest. Because, you know, when you're walking with added weight on your shoulders, it's harder for you to do so. But the point is, this bar is made for them to carry this weight upon their shoulders. If they continue carrying that weight upon their shoulders, it becomes very heavy and it can become oppressive and worrisome when that weight is the weight of responsibility and duty. No matter who we are in this life, we all carry the load of responsibility and duty. Whether it be in personal life, whether it be in professional life, even as a Christian. If we're not careful, we can be weighed or weighted down with the pressures and the burdens of life. I don't know about you, but if you see an unsaved person out there in the world, it's very easy to see that that person is weighed down with the burden of sin. Oh, they may not know it, they may not understand it, but that person is weighed down with the burden of sin. They don't understand it, and they don't know how to deal with it, but because of the sin and the sin nature they have in their lives... They go through life with this weight upon their shoulders. And in some cases, many do not know what to do. 
And they turn to many different avenues, attempting to find deliverance, to find help. I just can't understand it, they say. I shouldn't be oppressed. I shouldn't be worrisome. I shouldn't be weighted down like this in life. Seemingly, I have a pretty decent life, a good life, a nice home, a nice family, etc. But something troubles me. And they have no idea what that trouble is or where it comes from. And so they're being troubled in life. They're weighted down with the burdens of life. Deep on the inside, they know there is something that is wrong. And the problem is they're not hooked up with God. They're carrying the weight of the burden of sin upon their shoulder. The separation that they have with God is upon their shoulders. Can you imagine walking around with a ten ton weight upon your shoulder, yoked up with all this weight or burden, and then suddenly someone coming and taking it from you or breaking the yoke from you and you being free and able to walk tall and stand straight and thank God that all that pressure has been relieved from you and released from your shoulders. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the feeling of joy and freedom that you would have to finally have that yoke broken? Well, beloved, I've got some good news for you. It says right here in Isaiah 10:27 that the yoke shall be broken or destroyed. Why? Because of the anointing. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. You can get yoked up with the wrong thing. You can get hooked up with the wrong thing. As a result, weighed down with the burdens of life. And going through this life with your head down, with your countenance fallen, and thinking that your life isn't even worth living. But I'm telling you, there is a way for that yoke to be broken. You see, a physical yoke we can see. I mean, if I was, you know, if I were walking here right now and I had this bar across my shoulders and I mean it was weighted down and I'm to the place where I can hardly walk. And some of you men came and two on one side, two on the other side, and you both picked it up off my shoulders. Can you imagine how I would feel? How relieved I would be? How thankful I would be? Absolutely, because all that weight has been removed from my shoulders. But when a person is walking around with a spiritual yoke of bondage upon their shoulders... Weighed down with the burden of sin or whatever. Can you imagine? You can't see it. They can't see it. And many can't even describe it or define it. And they know not where it comes from. Can you imagine when that weight is removed from their shoulders? Oh, I want you to see something here. I want you to turn with me, if you would, please, to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. I want you to notice that right there it said, The anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. The anointing will break the yoke and set the captives free. It will break the bondage of sin. It will release the captives. It will strengthen them with the strength of God. I want you to see this. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, beginning at verse 25, Jesus is now speaking. And at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven... And earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal himself. Now listen. Come 
unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. These people are looking for rest. They're looking for spiritual rest. It's a spiritual burden that's upon their shoulders. They're yoked up with the burden of sin and separation from God. And as a result of that yoke upon their shoulders, they're weighed down in life. And their countenance has fallen. And there's no joy on the inside. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Some people out there in the world think that coming to Christ and being a Christian is a burdensome thing. They think it's a difficult thing. They think they've got to give up so much, etc., etc. And so they don't make that important step to come to Jesus. Little do they know that if they would come to Jesus, He would take that yoke from off their shoulders. He would remove the heavy burden of sin. He would place upon them His own yoke that is easy and burden that is light. They just don't know that. They don't understand that. I want you to see this here, beloved. Why come to Jesus? Jesus is the anointing of God. Jesus is the anointed one. And when you come to Jesus... The anointing of God will touch you and break the yoke of bondage and set you free. It will release you of the burden of sin. It will strengthen you with the strength of God. I want you to see this here. Turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 7. When the life of the Lord Jesus Christ enters into someone who is a sinner, the reality of what the Lord Jesus Christ did for that person upon Calvary's cross is manifested in them. The yoke of bondage is destroyed. The burden of sin is lifted and removed. And as a result, the life of God and the power of God strengthens them with the strength of God. In John's Gospel, chapter 7, you say, how does this work? Well, in the book of Isaiah, we are told that Jesus Christ Himself carried our sins upon His own shoulders. He bore our sins. When he died upon Calvary's cross, he took the sin of the entire human race. He took the sin of the world upon his own shoulder. He then died with that sin. He took that sin and carried it into the regions of the damned. He there paid the penalty of man's high treason and rebellion against God. As a result of taking that burden of sin... There in those regions of the damned, the Father looked over the banisters of heaven and He saw that it was enough. He was satisfied and the claims of justice that were being held against mankind were satisfied. And Jesus Himself dealt with the sin problem. He carried it, took it to another place. It was dealt with there. And when He arose from the dead, He arose free from the burden of our sin, our sickness, our mental anguish, our lack, and our want. He arose victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. You know, He took His own blood in the heavenly holies of holies. He offered up for an eternal sacrifice for all mankind so that anybody 
anywhere, at any time, can come to Jesus Christ. And if you'll come to Him, He'll relieve you of the burden of sin. His life will enter into your life. The anointing that is in His life and on His life will absolutely break and destroy the yoke of bondage. And you'll rise up with the weight of the world off of your shoulders. I don't know how it was with you, but when I got born again, it was like someone took a ten-ton weight off from off my shoulders and I rose up free. What about you? I had a joy in me that was unspeakable and full of the glory of God. I didn't see it happen. I didn't see someone come along and take off that yoke. But I'm telling you, if you've got any spiritual vision, if you have any spiritual insight whatsoever, you can see the Master Himself coming into you and saying, What meaneth this yoke upon your shoulders? I dealt with that at Calvary. I destroyed that by the power of the living God. And He breaks the yoke from off your shoulders. You rise up. Your hands are in the air praising God with a joy unspeakable. You didn't see it happen, but you know that it did. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Isn't that what you do? You may not know it in, in totality at the time that it happens, but you, you knew that it happened, didn't you? Oh, it's a joy unspeakable and full of glory, isn't it? See, the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. And you know what, beloved? That sinner that came to Christ, when he came to Christ, Jesus came into his life. That was his first experience with the anointing of God. Any child of God who is born again, any child of God, born again child of God out there has the anointing on the inside to teach them. Isn't that what John teaches us? The anointing you have is on the inside of you that came to you from God when you accepted Christ as your Savior and it teaches you all things. Doesn't the Bible say that? So Jesus is the anointed one. He is on the inside of you and in that measure the anointing abides in you. It broke the yoke of bondage and it sets you free. Praise God. And now you're out there telling people about what Jesus did for you. But I've got some good news for you. In John's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 37, there's more of the anointing to be had. You don't have to settle just for that anointing. You can have a whole lot more of the anointing of God that will give you a greater measure of the strength of God, another dimension of the ability of God. It will impart to you, I'm telling you, power beyond human scope. In John 7, 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him what? Let him what? Let him what? What did he say in Matthew 11? Come unto me, you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Isn't that what he said? He said, Take my yoke. He said, Come to me to get that yoke of sin destroyed from off your neck. Isn't that what he said? Okay, that is one experience. Here's another. Now, if you're really thirsty, did you come to Jesus? Did you get the yoke broken? I mean, are you free from the burden of sin? Are you just, you know, footloose and fancy free walking in the victory? Thank God that that sin is not weighing you down and burdening you down. You know that heaven is your home. If there's anybody in this facility today, if you do not know that heaven is your home when you die, I know on the inside of you there is something that's telling you you've got to come to Jesus Christ. And if you don't, you'll be lost for an eternity and you do not want that to happen. Don't think religion's going to get you on the other side. I'm telling you right now. If you're bound up by religion, then you're, you're never going to be free. You're never going to be free because religion does not break the yoke of bondage from off your shoulder. It's a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's when He enters into your heart and gives you a brand new life that the anointing breaks that yoke of bondage. That's how it works. Religion won't do it. 
If you're out there saying, I just can't stand going to church. I just can't stand, you know, I'm telling you there's something wrong. There's something wrong on the inside of you. You're weighed down with the burden in this life right now. Because going to church where the anointing of God resides in a badge is a joy, praise God, in your life. And it should be a joy in your life. If it's not, something is wrong. Why? Because where the presence of God is, there is joy. Hallelujah. There is rejoicing. Hallelujah. There is shouting and praising because you know that you're hooked up with God. Eternity is yours. You're going to reign with Him forever. If that doesn't make you shout, you have no reason to shout in life. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, read the back of the book, beloved. There's no sad issue. As far as we are concerned, as far as the saints are concerned, we're in glory. We're taking our glory to the eternal kingdom of God. We're going to live and reign with Him throughout the eternal ages. And we're going to see the greater manifestation of God's grace like we've never seen before. That's something to shout about, isn't it? So you see, if you can say, well, I just can't take this life. Something is wrong. You've got to have that yoke broken from off your shoulder. Now, if you really thirst, Jesus said, come. Notice, come to me again. For what? Well, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me, and now he wants you to drink. He already broke the, the, the yoke from off your shoulder. Now he wants you to drink. Man, come to me, he says, and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly, or innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Here's another experience in God. It's an experience that will enable us to have a deeper anointing within our lives. You know, beloved, when God calls us to do a work for Him, we've got to be anointed to do it. And we should have the greatest, most powerful anointing we can possibly have in our lives in order to accomplish the work of God in the earth. Why would anybody want just a little bit of the anointing? Why would anybody be satisfied with a little bit of the presence of God when they can have a whole lot more? Amen? We should want a whole lot more. And that's this experience of being baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. When a person says, I'm thirsty, I've had a taste of God, I've had a taste of the things of God, and I've found that God is good. I want a whole lot more of what God has to offer. Is there anything else in that book that He has to offer to me? Yes, He does. He's got the baptism in the Holy Ghost with fire. He's going to give you a power that's beyond human scope. You shall receive dunamis after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. You'll operate in miracle power. Dunamis is dynamite in your life. There'll be explosions of Almighty God in your life and through your life as you come to Him and are filled. You say, I don't have any. You're not drinking then. Did you hear that? He said, come unto me and drink, and out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. If it's not flowing, you're not drinking. God says, come and drink. Jesus says, come to me and drink. It's free, praise God. If someone says, I'm passing out free Coke after the service, I'm passing out free iced tea after the service, I'm passing out free coffee, free tea, free water, free whatever you drink after the service, I guarantee you there'll be somebody around the drinking hole. Isn't that right? Someone around there drinking anything that's free. I was driving through Pittsburgh one time and somebody was passing out free cans of sweat red raspberry ginger ale. You ever see that? Red raspberry ginger ale out in the market. When it first came out on the market, I'm telling you, people stopped their cars, jumped out to get a free can of pop. Drinking that stuff down. Because it was free. They wanted it. Right? 
You think they were going to jump out and run in the store and buy one? No, but it was free. Those jumped out and even, you know, tie up traffic to get one. Well, God wants us to start tying up traffic. God wants us to start drinking of the heavenly water like we've never drank before. God wants us drunk in the Holy Ghost. You can get drunk in the Holy Ghost by drinking in, as Jesus said. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water that will never dry up. There's a river of life flowing out from me. It makes the lame to walk. It makes the blind to see. It opens prison doors. It sets the captives free. There's a river of life, a, a river of health and healing and power flowing out from me. There's a greater anointing, praise God, to achieve the things of God in this life. The mountains will come down and made a plain before you and me. Hallelujah. He says, come to me and drink. Every believer has a, a measure of the anointing. But every spirit-filled believer has a deeper anointing. Hallelujah. In their lives. I want you to turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 4. I want to show you, beloved, today that what, what he is emphasizing by his spirit is something of utmost importance. If the Lord Jesus Christ himself needed to have the anointing of God in his life to do the work of the Father, how much more do we need the same spirit of the living God to accomplish and achieve those things he has for us? Amen? In Luke 4 and 14, and Jesus returned in his own strength. Is that what it says? And Jesus came in the skills his father taught him. He came as a carpenter. Right? Isn't that what it says? No. Jesus, it says, came in the power of the Spirit. He came in the power. He came under the anointing. He came in the power of the Spirit of the living God. Now notice. In the Galilee, and there went out a fame of Him throughout, throughout all the region round about. He taught in their synagogue, notice, being glorified of all. He came to Nazareth, where He had been brought up. As His custom was, He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto Him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when He had opened the book, He found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I want to stop right there. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He came in the power of the Spirit to teach. He came in the power of the Spirit to do the will of the Father. Anyone that is called of God will have the anointing of God or the power of the Spirit of God to come upon them, enabling them to do what God has instructed them to do in this life. Whether it be ministry having your own church, whatever position in the body of Christ He places you. But if you're called to the five-fold ministry in particular, there'll be an anointing of God upon your life to carry out the will of God. And without it, we are like Samson shaved. Think about that for a moment. Some people think, why do we have to emphasize this anointing? And this move of God. Can't we just thank God for the Word and that's all there is to it? No. You'll never find anywhere where the Word is by itself. The Word and Spirit agree. It is the work of faith with power. They work together. There's an anointing upon the Word and an anointing upon our lives. If we'll put the two together, you'll have a dynamic force created for God to achieve the will of God in this earth. Samson was anointed of God. 
when the hand of the Lord, or the Spirit of God, came upon him, he had powers beyond human scope. He was able to kill a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. In one instance, he was able to kill a lion with his bare hands. And if you read in the book of Judges, you see tremendous, mighty feats of strength manifesting through his life as a result of the hand of the Lord coming upon him. As a matter of fact, oftentimes it even says, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he destroyed the enemy. I want you to see this. You know the story of Samson and Delilah. You know how she tried to get him to reveal his strength. And he mocked her. Actually, he lied to her. Told her different things about where his strength came from. And so, she tried to use those things against him and have him delivered over unto the enemy. Time after time after time, when she tried, the power of God fell upon him and he was able to overthrow the enemy because of the great strength he had from God. Well, one day, after much nagging, I will not expound on that in any way, shape, or form. One day, as a result of much nagging, he finally gave in under the pressure and said, Okay, I've been a Nazareth from my youth. My hair has never been cut, and my strength lieth in my hair. And of course, he was anointed of God. And so the hair was cut off, and... That time when she said the enemy is here, he arose thinking he was going to have the same strength. Now listen carefully. There are those that think that they can have the same strength just because they've been serving God and it's always been there all the time. If you don't do what it takes to maintain that anointing, you'll lose it. And when you lose it or it diminishes or it decreases, you'll be like a Samson shaved. He had no strength to overcome his enemy, plucked out his eyes, and had him working at the mill. You're talking about a mighty man of God, mightily anointed of God, to carry out a purpose in, the, in God's will. When the hand of the Lord was upon him, the anointing of God was there, he could carry out the Word of God in demonstrations of, of strength and power like you've never seen before. And no one was a match for him. When his hair was cut and the anointing of God was gone, it says the, the hand of the Lord departed from him. He had no power, no might, no ability. He could do nothing. Jesus said, apart from me, you are nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see why we want to continue to emphasize the anointing of God in people's lives? And of course, as a result of having his eyes, it says they bore them out. Of course, he was outraged, deeply wounded. And on that day that he died, as he was taken before all the governors and all the people in high places and just to be made a mockery of, to make sport of him, his hair began to grow back and he thought about how the hand of the Lord used to rest upon him. And he said, Oh Lord, 
Let your power come upon me one more time. Just one more time. If you've tasted the power of God, I'm going to tell you something. You lose it. You've lost a lot. You'll long to taste it again. It's a sad case scenario here with Samson because he could have done so much with the power of God had he only been faithful. Can you see that? But he wasn't. But he prayed to God. And the strength of God one more time came upon him. And he killed in his death more Philistines than he had killed throughout his life. But it was the power of God that gave him powers beyond human scope, enabling him to do feats of strength in the natural realm that you can't even imagine being done by a human being. Say, what is so important about that? Beloved, there are some feats of strength that have to be done in the spiritual realm by God's children today that you can't imagine being done if you saw it with your natural eye. But I'm telling you, those forces of darkness that are arrayed against the children of God that are sent out to target our lives and thwart the work of God, I want you to know this. Those powers are broken by the anointing. And when God's people realize that and come together in the unity of the faith like this and stand strong and expect God to stretch forth His hand and signs and wonders to be wrought by the name of the Holy Child Jesus, that mighty anointing will break the yoke of bondage it will undo the heavy burden. It will let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. It will loose the bands of wickedness. See, it's the anointing that we have got to continue to yield to. And that's what takes the Word of God and quickens it and makes it a living thing in a person's life. Hallelujah. Jesus Himself had to be anointed. Look at this. Because He hath... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath... What? Anointed me to preach anointed me to teach. He hath anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance of the captive, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty the bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The anointing of God was upon the Lord Jesus Christ Himself to preach, to teach, and to heal. You can categorize everything that Jesus did in those areas to preach, teach, and to heal or deliver and set people free. He delivered people from demon bondages. He delivered people from sickness and disease. I'm telling you what Jesus did absolutely shook Judaism to its very foundation because He came as the reality of what Judaism should have been about and would have been had they just received the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, beloved, God wants us to know that there is a mighty work yet to be done among us. There is a tremendous work that needs to be done among us. This is only the beginning of that greater work. You see, there'll be seasons when God moves by His Spirit and kind of sets things together. First of all, He just gets us into one big melting pot. We set aside all of our differences and we start saying, you know what, I just love the taste of this anointing of God. Can you say amen? How many of you are enjoying the anointing of God that you're experiencing here in this place? And it's not just here, it's everywhere. See, he brings us together in this one big melting pot and says, look, I want you to get in there and just get filled with and full of God. Get yourself, start drinking until you get drunk on the Spirit of God, anointed from on high. And then from that place, go forth and flow with my Spirit and do what I would have you to do. Now listen carefully. Someone, here's an example. Someone, for an example like Moses, can try to do something in the flesh 
and set the work of God back 40 years, just like Moses did. But then again, after being taught of the Lord, he can begin to do what God would have him to do. And when he couldn't kill one Egyptian, he was responsible for the destruction of the entire Egyptian army. Isn't that true? Because the hand of the Lord was then upon him. Same thing was true with us. I've been in places where I've seen people start churches that were never anointed of God. People that were not called to do what they were doing for God. As a result, what God does not appoint, God does not anoint. I'll say that again. What God does not appoint, God does not anoint. You say, well, what's the difference? I'll just do it anyhow. You'll do it like a shorn or a shaved Samson. That's true. You'll try to do a work in the flesh that requires an anointing and you're not going to accomplish much for the kingdom of God. You'll open yourself up to the attack of the enemy and you'll also open up the people that are there under the attack of the enemy. God wants His people to begin to recognize divine order and divine flow. He wants people to recognize that although it may be good for you to do this, it's anointed for you to do that. Boy, I've got to say that again. It may be good for you to do this over here, but you're anointed to do that over there. You may not like doing this, but you like doing that, and you want to do that, but that's your flesh wanting to do that. The anointing wants you to do this. Where are you going to be most effective? Doing where you're anointed. Staying where you're anointed. Can you see that? God wants us to understand and recognize the importance and the value of the anointing of God in our lives. We don't want to be like a Samson that says, well, I'm just going to go out and do it in my own strength, so to speak, or take for granted the anointing of God that is upon us. You remember the cry of David? Take not thine Holy Spirit from me. Why? Apart from Him I am nothing. Apart from Him I can do nothing. Apart from His ability in my life I have no strength. Beloved, God gives us power beyond human scope as we are filled with the Holy Ghost. And when He anoints us from on high to carry out a purpose in His will, that power will enable us to be successful. He wants us to study and pray so that that anointing will increase in our lives. And as it increases, I'm telling you, it will break the yoke of bondage. It will set the captives free. Not only will it affect us, it will affect those we come into contact with. Hallelujah. It will set the captives free. It will work the works of God. It will fulfill what God would have us to do. And so that is the emphasis of the Spirit among us here today in this assembly. He is saying to all of us, stay in my presence and pray. Find your place. Find where your anointing is and yield to it. As you yield to it, it will increase in your life individually. It will cause an increase of the corporate anointing collectively when you unite together. The body of Christ will be fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. It will cause increase of the love of God, the power of God, the anointing of God, the peace of God, the joy of God, the ability of God, the strength of God, the might of God among those and the character of God among those that will yield to it. He wants us to recognize that the church is a supernatural church and the work of the church is a supernatural work. And when we yield to the anointing of God's Spirit, that work will be accomplished and that will of God will be done. Also, He spoke to my heart saying this morning, there shall be those that will be here that will be burdened. They'll be burdened down and weighed down with the pressures and the duties and responsibilities of life. Their anointing is not allowed to rise up and and manifest because of the weight that is upon their shoulders. You see, the anointing also works another way. There are those that are anointed also to lay hands upon those 
that could be burdened and break that power of the burden or the yoke from off their neck. And that anointing will also set the captives free. But then also they are to recognize that for the most part, the reason why we get under such pressure is because we try to do it in our own strength and ability and we don't yield to the strength of God. We try to deal with the situation and we're burdened with worry. We try to, yield, to, to, to handle the situation and as a result, we are burdened down with oppression. Because we try to deal with certain things that take supernatural powers and abilities that we, possibly, that we can't possibly handle in the natural. Trying to pastor a church without an anointing is like trying to defeat the enemy without the anointing upon Samson. Can you see that? It just doesn't work that way. And, and that's why many are about to, to, to fizzle out and phase out in ministry. Many are to the place of spiritual burnout. Why? Because they're trying to do something maybe that they're not anointed to do. And you can't handle that. That's impossible to handle. You've got to have the anointing of God. And you see, every born-again, spirit-filled child of God has a deeper dimension of the anointing of God in their lives. And beloved, if we'll yield to it and then do those things, you know, that He tells us to do or instructs us to do as we flow with that anointing, you're going to have an increase in your life. The yoke of bondage is going to be broken. I'm telling you, you're going to be so set free. You're going to have a joy in you. It'll be like getting born again again. That's what it's going to be like. So I'm ready. I don't know about you, but I'm ready. Let's all stand to our feet before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.